Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. It's your girl, Odalis Jasmine, and welcome to Hello Latino. Today's guests are two hermanas, las entrepreneurs, Sarah Perez Jarrett and Hilda Perez, two proud Dominicanas from New York. They each have an amazing list of experiences and accomplishments, but one thing that stands out is how they now work together to run their family business, Salud. Sarah currently serves as CEO of Salud, while Hilda serves as COO. And Salud has grown to be a veteran in health, serving customers around the world, and they're known for its high quality and effective holistic health products. You'll hear a little bit more about this in the episode. But I guarantee this conversation will have y'all laughing and snapping and completely relating to these badass Latina sisters. Que disfruten. I'm so excited. I'm excited to have sisters on. I had my brothers on in another episode. And it's crazy how we all like grew up together, but we have very, still very similar or sorry, different experiences. So I'm really excited to get to know both of you and get to know your, um, you know, your Latinidad, your story, all of that. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. I'm excited to be a part of this. I'm excited. So we're going to start with the first question, and it's how do you identify and why? So we'll start with um, Hilda. Yeah, so I identify as Dominican-American, first generation. My parents are Dominican. They came um, with a sister from the, from the Dominican Republic, and I was born here in New York in Harlem. So I'll, I'll do an, another hyphen. I'm a Dominican-American New Yorker, which I take pride in. <laughs> Love it. Sarah? I identify as Dominican uh, and I guess also a New Yorker because I come, I came to New York when I was two years old, but um, I think our parents really made an effort to keep the Dominican spirit in us. So I remember having, taking platanos in a thermos to school and everyone was like, what is that? Nothing. I'm not eating lunch today. No. <laughs> Word. That was real. To add a caveat to that, we grew up in a very predominantly Caucasian, Italian, yeah. American, Irish, and American yeah. neighborhood. So that was very out of the norm. Oh, really? Wait, where in where in yeah. New York? Yeah. Yonkers, New York. Oh, see, I don't know much about New York. So for those who don't know, that is you just said uh, Italian, Irish. The area we like- were in, yeah. Oh, the well, area you were in. Yeah, the area that we went to school in, yeah. Um, Yonkers is, is very diverse, but our school, where we went to school, it was predominantly Irish, Italian. So we were the darkest kids in the entire school, and it was it was different. <laughs> Wait, Sarah, yeah. do you remember, how old were you when you moved to the U.S.? Do you remember anything about 
you know, your, your move to the U S or your time in DR. Um, I, I can't remember how old you were. You said um, two. I was two years old. So mm, no, okay. I don't remember, um, the move, but I do remember like when we used to live in our one bedroom apartment in Brooklyn, I was four. It was when my sister was born. So I, I do have some memories of when we first arrived here. Yeah. Oh, so talk a little bit more about that. Like, how was that experience? So you were in Brooklyn, Hilda was born. um, And talk a little bit about like, just growing up in this new environment. It was, it was different, because I I was able to feel um, firsthand how difficult it was for my mom to adapt. She left everyone behind. um, And my father actually had family here. So they embraced us when we arrived. We we lived with my aunt when we first moved. Um, and then we were able to get an apartment in Brooklyn. And in that apartment, it was a one bedroom. And my father turned the living room into a area where he was um, seeing patients. It was like an office type of thing. So we were like confined to the one bedroom for a good amount of the time. You know, it's like I couldn't answer the phone. It was I remember, you know, it, it was like his his office, you know, so I uh, I do remember not being able to to get the phone and seeing people coming in and out and he would help. He would let me help him with work and he would leave. He was um, a Domino's um, deliver- delivery guy also at the same time and a taxi cab driver at the same time. <laughs> mm. So I saw him do all different types of work. I-, I remember asking him, you know, well, what is it that you do? You know, cause you, you do so many different things. He's like, I do whatever I need to do to put food on the table because mm-hmm. that is what matters. Mm. So yeah. yeah, that's a very, I feel like, a lot of children of immigrant have heard that before, right? Like they do whatever yeah. it takes for their families. And what about you, Hilda? Like how was your, you know, upbringing? Um, Cause you guys aren't that, you know, um, four years apart. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it was, I mean, yeah, by the time I, like my earliest memories, we lived in Queens by then. So we, we hopped around a lot through the boroughs. Um, New York has different boroughs. We lived in Brooklyn. We went to Queens. Sarah, Sarah can correct me on my, my timeline, but I remember living in the house in Queens. Um, and it was just such a fun, you know, experience. I come from a very, we're pretty reserved family, but it was always really familial together. Both my parents were very doting on my sister and I. Um, and I had a lot of carefreeness, even though we didn't have a, how would I put it? We kind of were together all the time, me and my sister. Um, we were in our little nuclear family a lot until, and with some cousins that were here. So it was really wonderful to grow up with an older sibling that kind of could teach you all the ropes. Um, even like through her struggles made it really easy for me because I was born here. Uh, even learning how to speak Spanish, she would like teach me how to do things because I was actually predominantly only spoke English when I first came here because of television. So I learned and it was her and my mom forcing it to me, forcing me to speak Spanish. So it was really beautiful. And then we ended up going to Yonkers when I was around five years old and we were there ever since. Wow. 
So you didn't you didn't speak a lot of Spanish growing up? No, more out of like <laughs> it wasn't even just difficult. It was more o sea por vaga. Like I was just not I was lazy about it. I didn't want to speak it because they understood enough of English to get through. And my mom's favorite story to say is that one one year we went to visit my grandma in the Dominican Republic, and I I love to eat. So when I'm like ready to sit down and ready to eat, I'm so excited and they didn't give me a fork. So I just kept like maneuvering with like a hand motion to my mouth. Like I need a fork so I can eat because I knew how to eat with a fork at the time, even though I was so young. And my mom was like, like, if you don't ask for it in Spanish, uh, I'm not going to give you anything. That's where it triggered. I was like, oh, Spanish is good. Is good the gateway for me to get food. Then I started. <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> That reminds me so much of my nephews right now. They don't know how to speak like a lot of Spanish or they get like, I think shy about it, but my mom doesn't speak English. So when they're like asking for something, like they always come over and they're like, I want rice and beans. Like that's, that's their thing. And they, they ask like rice and beans and I'm like, oh, decirlo en español para que te entiendan. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no. <laughs> yes, or no rice and beans. <laughs> yeah, or no rice and beans. Oh yeah. my God. Those are my, that's my son right now. That that literally happened this morning. He came down and he's like, mama, I want bread with butter. And my, my mom is like, ¿Qué? He said, hi mama, mantequilla. <laughs> But it works. <laughs> I <Good>. love it. <laughs> um, so Sarah, I I'm so curious because you you have a family, right? Like you are married, you have a child, and I mean, talk about like one of the things. I'm, the reason I'm asking this is because my my brother actually he was also born here, so me and him. And one of the things that we talked about recently because he just had a baby. So his first baby and he like kind of, yeah, yeah. I'll tell him he's listening, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but, um, but one of the things that we talked about, he was like, you know, it's really hard to think about how I want to raise my child because we come from an immigrant culture. And he's like, I'm, you know, got to a place in my life where I get to be financially stable. I have like a stable job and like, it's just a different dynamic. Um, and he like, you know, kind of opened up to me about it. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know what that feels like, you know, because I'm not in that space in my life. So I'm just curious, you know, from your perspective, from your experience, like, did you ever feel that? Like, how do I want to raise my child? Or was it just so simple? Like, I know how I want to raise my child. I don't know, just like something I was thinking about. No, absolutely. I mean, being a parent comes with absolutely no guidebook. You you have a child and they hand them over to you and that's it. They're like, good luck with that. You know? so, Keep them alive. Please. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. No, really. Exactly. So I have actually two, two boys, one's six and the other's two. And that is something that I do think about often because I want him to understand the the value of things, you know, um, and I also want to preserve my culture. So my husband's from the Bahamas and I'm Dominican and my husband is very um, strong in his heritage mm -hmm. and in his identification with being um, from the Bahamas. But that's also because he um, came to the United States when he was already an adult. He was, oh, okay. you know, in his 20s. So 
to him, it's his entire family still there. Um, so he feels very, very connected to the Bahamas. And so we travel there often. And I say that to say that it dawned on me just like last year that I was not doing a very good job at preserving the Dominican culture because my son, when you ask him where he's from, he says he's from the Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are, but you're also Dominican. Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't know what that is. I was like, oh my goodness. So I am planning on, you know, traveling more once all of this is over and giving him that firsthand experience because I think that even being Dominican American is very different mm -hmm. than the experience that you get when you're in the campo in DR and you get to see everything, you know, so that's different. And when it comes to un helping him see the value in things, I, I have him donate a lot of his things. So I explained to him, you know, the need that others may have and how he can help change someone's life by you know, giving something that he's no longer using or like if, if he finds a toy and he's like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know I had this. I haven't seen it in forever. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, well, do you still want that? Do you still need it? And so we end up donating and giving away a lot of his things and he gets to see oh. um, how that impacts someone else. We, we, we do that every year. Um, ever since he was like two years old, um, we go to a shelter or to a hospital or something and we get back so that he can see what others experience is like. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm thinking of your kids because Hilda posted on Instagram about something about a joke. <laughs> She's like, my oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, absolutely oh, my now, and that's how we kind of bond now, which is really great. I'm seeing him grow up and I just give him my best corny jokes and he comes back with like four more. I'm like, where is he learning these things? Which I need to like, <laughs> he actually, ready. he made me a book. He made me download a book on his Kindle, a joke book so that he could have jokes to tell oh, yeah. um, Thea. I'm here. I'm the best <laughs> He's like, I need, I need some jokes. Althea. <laughs> so that's how our new our new little game we play and I love it and I want to like I, my dream and my vision is that we're doing this until he's like super old and I'm super old <laughs> <laughs> I love it so I, one thing that I want to ask you two about was you both said your families were really good at preserving Dominican culture mm -hmm. and so in your opinion like what what were those things that you were um you know, going to a school that wasn't necessarily heavy in Dominican culture or Latino culture. Mm -hmm. How did your family provide that, you know, Dominican culture for you guys? Um, I mean, I get, from my perspective, especially because I'm Dominican, I, I identify as Dominican American, I think we were in a really beautiful space that um, we had cousins here, you know, my parents, like, the just being just growing up in New York, the amount of diversity, you know, we had the last, largest diaspora of Dominicans outside of the Dominican Republic. So even though we grew up going to predominantly white school, we like right after school would go straight to our parents store in Dykeman um, and we'd be immersed in everything, anything that you could think about that was Dominican. So we were really experiencing it from both worlds. I consider myself bicultural because of that, because I was able to go between both, um, you know, growing up with the food, uh, having all of the traditions for Christmas, 
it was very much ingrained into who we are. And I think there was a lot of beauty because at least from my perspective, the the friends that I grew up with were pretty diverse and I was able to share that culture with them because they were genuinely interested and I was able to also experience their so you know Italian gravy and like Italian uh big family <laughs> dinners on Sundays being invited to do that but then having them come over I remember Sarah's story is something funny for her quinceanera we had it at the house and there was a massive lechon so seeing her friends experience a lechon for the first time was really hilarious to me because there's just giant pig and they're like what is that and then they ate it and it was delicious so I feel like you know, we were able to really experience it in my mind on a bicultural aspect. What about from your perspective Sarah? Yeah I, I'd have to agree I think um, our parents are unapologetically Dominican. For sure. <laughs> I don't know I don't know if that's intentional or not but they are and so you know it, it was challenging because I was trying to fit in, you know, and he was he was trying to preserve the culture. And like I said, he would send us to school with platanos, with mm. spaghettis and rice and beans when while everyone's having like a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bah, like, please make me a sandwich, you know. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not giving you processed meat. He's like, ese arroz has more nutrients than anything else. So, like, I get it, but, like, I cannot, like, I can't keep whipping this out during lunchtime. So, but I learned to appreciate it. I learned to love it, you know. And, like, I, it, like Hilda said, it was beautiful because even though the cultures were so different, we did find – um friendships that last a lifetime like one of my elementary school friends were still friends and I got to learn about her Italian culture and she got to learn about platanos and she still loves platanos you know mm-hmm. so Ooh, I love platanos it's like we we taught each yeah. other oh, that's oh my, my god the other day my mom she bought all these like different types of platano and she was like oh déjame hacer un video I wanted to like show your Instagram people <laughs> And so I recorded oh her goodness, talking about yes. her different platanos, las pequeñas, las de estas, and cómo se cortan. I was like laughing. <laughs> it's important. That is yeah. important oh, you know, content. That is important content. Yeah. <laughs> the people need to know. <laughs> you know, Dominicans, we have figured out, I think, every possible thing you could do with a platano. Mm-hmm. And that is like an auto on a running joke in my family because my husband is like what can you not do with a platano I'm like absolutely yeah. nothing like you you give me a problem I will solve it with a platano I promise keystone food for a reason yeah. I love it well Sarah how is that navigating because you touched a little bit on like trying to fit in and I think that is like the first gen norm right we're trying to fit into this new culture oh, yeah um, and we're trying to just blend, blend in. And I can certainly relate to that because being Honduran in a predominantly Mexican culture, I was like, mm. oh, why do they speak differently? I say vos while they say tu or they say, you know, chingona while I say macisa. You know, like we say very different words. And I'm like, oh, I don't speak like them. I don't sound like them. I'm taller than like some of my friends. And I'm like, it's weird, <laughs> you know, like you just try to fit in so much. Mm-hmm. And it's hard as much as we see like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We're like, oh, we appreciate everything that they did. But at the time, you don't see it that way. You're like, oh, no. so how was that? How was navigating those like first? It was really challenging in terms of 
you know, accepting his and or their their you know pers- perspective of the world. So mm-hmm. we were never allowed to sleep over when mm-hmm. all of my friends were allowed <laughs> to sleep over. Mm-hmm. We could not shave. Like I was like the hairiest thirteen year old, and my father was <laughs> like, "You are not shaving." I was like, "Everybody shaves. You can't <laughs> like, torture me this way." <laughs> so, so like you you just you just become I guess used to it. It it was more of um of a challenge for me in my mind, but my friendships that I, that I built also helped build like security in that. So I had my, my one really good friend and we would hang out after school. And and then if not, I would be with my cousins. So other Mm -hmm. than one or two friends, I really spend a lot of time with my cousins and my cousins had the same, you know, rules. So it wasn't, it wasn't weird. Like, when when my father was like, what's wrong with your bed? Why do you need to go sleep somewhere else? You know, yeah. <laughs> and my uncle had the same response. It was like, okay, I guess this is normal. <laughs> I would hate that whenever I'd be like, oh, everyone's sleeping over. And like, they're like, no, like, no, they can come here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, uh, uh, Alice, let me tell you something so funny. I, um, we were like 17 by this point and we were at a party it was supposed to be like a cheerleader get together and my best friend who's my best friend right now and I she's also Dominican are there and it starts like storming it was a um it was a storm yeah like a blizzard like (laughs) legit like at least three feet of snow outside right so we look Mm -hmm. at each other and we're like we're sleeping over tonight because there's no way that they're coming to get us (laughs) ding dong 12 (laughs) a.m doorbell rings my parents her mom she her mom had put like um chains on the tires of her car so that she could get out and they came and they got us we were like you can't be serious that's so (laughs) and when she said they when she said they i'm gonna throw in i was forced out of bed to go get my sister and i was just so (laughs) livid that she had to make me go in this in the storm and i just remember like Obviously, you're not allowed to stay here. Why didn't you leave earlier? <laughs> never forget. That's Wait. why I'm like, be correct. It was a blizzard because I was in it. Oh, my <laughs> God. Honestly, like, it got so bad to a point, like, when my friends would invite me out or, like, anything like that, I'd be like, no, I can't. Like, I'm not even going to try asking my parents. I just know. <laughs> Yeah, not even. I know true. you'd always have but, to play those like games with your parents and like hmm, let's see how she feels yeah. today. I don't know. I did all my chores. <laughs> I don't know. I've cleaned the kitchen twice. And maybe she'll let me out. Oh my time. god! So <laughs> one thing, one thing that Hondurans say a lot is "paja," like that's BS basically. And I would tell like every time, every time I had to ask my mom about something, like even like prom, like I'm, I want to go to prom. Like that was a big conversation and it was like mm-hmm. a way yeah. bigger deal than it had to be. But I was like, mommy is gay. You know, and I had this whole like lecture for her and she's like, I mija, pura paja. You just want to go because your friends are going. And I'm, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. But <laughs> immersion, mom. just imagine how this is going to be great for my future growth. I get it. I've done these same presentations. <laughs> Oh yes. my God. But, and even prom was funny because it was the same experience. I like, you know, my whole, all my friends, they knew they're like, all oh, your parents, like they're going to show up out of nowhere and they're going to try to like make you go home. And I was like, oh, 
stop. <laughs> but it was like an after party. And like, I don't know how my parents found out about it. I don't know if they were following me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe God <laughs> told them. I have no idea. But I was going to this after party and I swear to you, they were outside, like across the house. And I was like, no way. <laughs> like, how did you guys find me? <laughs> and everyone was like, mm, girl, bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The immigrant That's parent a- community, I'm for sure, they either communicate through platanos or like they be talking <laughs> at church. And there's like, I, I heard this. They know this everything. This is before social media, right? Or anything. Yes. So this is like landline conversation. I it. I still. Sometimes. They would find you. you. know, my mother would memorize people's license plates. And she was like, oh, oh no, yeah, I saw yeah. I saw the car at such and such oh place. I'm like, my, how do you know that's their car? Oh, because I know their license plate. I'm like, do yeah. you work for the FBI? Like, what is you this? That. Wait, that's crazy. Especially as women and girls, they were oh, extra protective. My mom is a. My mom is awesome in that way now that I think about it, but also then it was terrifying. I'm like, no, she could be anywhere at any yeah. second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Watch out. <laughs> literally, literally. My mom would get every all my friends' phone numbers, would somehow get their mm-hmm. friend like their parents' phone numbers. I don't even know. And my mom doesn't speak English. So I'm like, how? And some of them were like they they weren't Latino. So I'm like, how did you talk to them? <laughs> She's like, I figured it out. <laughs> oh my god you know it's funny that they my parents would do the same thing and now i find myself doing the exact same thing so like when hilda loves to travel so whenever she travels i'm like i need addresses phone Mm -hmm. numbers like i need to know where to go look for you i literally had to call them i went to go hike kilimanjaro and all we had was a satellite phone that one of my friends brought and i had to like send an encoded (gasps) message to my sister because i knew they would freak out Oh my, are you the same way, Hilda? With uh, tracking people down, I think, I don't know, maybe I've gone to the other extreme. I'm just like, don't bother me. <laughs> like, I don't want you to know where I am because I've been watched for my whole life. Yeah. I think I kind of, like, don't wake me up in the middle of a blizzard exactly. to go get you. Be, <laughs> unless it's obviously for people I love, I would do these things and very close friends. Yeah. I like some friends now, but I, I for sure. We have like our little things, and my sister and I joke around, like, "What's the code word?" Of like, in case you were kidnapped, like, make sure that I know where you are. So that's definitely part of my. Um, I think I'm just a lot more secretive now because I like my privacy. Yeah. With my nephews, I definitely need to know where they are at all times, and I will need to know where they are at all times. I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the I love right there. I'm the same way with all my nephews. Mm-hmm. I have way too many of them, but the four of them that are super close by me that are always over, I'm so protective of them. Yeah. I'm like, you are my children. Isn't the I love Sarah will know in the future when I have a child, but the I love is like a whole other, it's like a whole other kind of love because you kind of get to love on them all you mm-hmm. want and walk away. But then yeah. it's also <laughs> terrifying. I remember once I took my the oldest nephew to like a Halloween thing and I've never held on to that kid so much in my life. I was like, there's way too many people. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not being blamed oh for losing God. you and you're not being taken yes. <laughs> and my my nephews are four boys and Ooh. they're all under the age of 10 oh goodness and so oh, they are like so high energy and like sometimes I can't even keep up with mm-hmm. them because they all have very different personalities and like I feel like they feed off of each other like I don't know <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> and I'm as boys they it's a lot they have so much energy and so many plans he, he's, up from like, he's up from like 6 a.m. Like, so what are we going to do today? I'm like, I don't know yet. I haven't opened my eyes yet. Like, I don't know. 
<laughs> Let me chill. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to ask before we go into um, our cafecito and cheese bit and learn a little bit more about what you guys do now with your company. But before we go into that, I love asking this question because one of the things that I really want to do with this podcast is create that like representation for people listening, right? For other Dominicans listening in or for other um, New Yorkers listening in. But what is one thing that you love about being a New Yorker, love about being Dominican? Like one thing that you're like, people mm. should know about this. Oh man, mm. that's a hard one. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> I well, so for me, what I love about being a New Yorker is how many different cultures you are exposed to and you get to learn about. And I, I was able to grow up with and have different friends and like see different things. So it was like traveling every day almost. So that I loved about being a New Yorker and about being a Dominican. I think that there is a strength in the culture there is a spirit that i feel that lives inside of me of all of the women and men that had to fight to you know have me exist right because the history of the dominican republic is so messy you know from the the slavery from freedom back to slavery and if you sit down and you think about all of those opportunities that could have been, you know, the, the death or, 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 you know, or maybe someone catching some type of disease or something that wouldn't have allowed them to continue with the generations and the generations to allow me to be here where I am. It's, I think something really beautiful. So I, I feel like I carry that with me. Like I carry all of them with me. Well said. (laughs) Yeah, it's so well said. For me, I guess, for the New York part, I definitely agree with Sarah. For it's The diversity here is, you know, insurmountable. I, I, I do like to travel a lot, and it's one of the most diverse places I've ever had to or I've had experienced. Um, and it kind of goes back to being a New Yorker really just feels like, aside from it being home, it's, it's so ingrained in who I am, and there's a sense of pride in it. Um, when I travel, like the first thing I say is I'm a New Yorker. And then they're like, okay, where are you from? Dominican. And then they're like, okay, I'm American. But for but yeah. for some reason, it's in that order because a lot of, you know, regard is is set up for our city. Um, and there's a lot of beauty, beauty in the diversity that all of my earliest, earliest memories are attached to that diversity. So going back to when I mentioned, you know, we grew up and I remember living in our house in Queens before we moved to Yonkers, one of my earliest memories is smelling and hanging out, smelling like the beautiful smell of curry cooking because our neighbor was um, Indian and she was older mm-hmm. than me, but we'd hang out with her. And it was just so like interesting that, that I can smell curry now. And I kind of think of her and her family who was so warm and so nice with us. And they would always invite us over to eat and like hang out. So that was really interesting because it's not really just about being Dominican. It's how the diversity influenced my my entire being um, and how I interact with a lot of people. And it really was us being being diverse and also grown, growing up around immigrant communities that were diverse because there's so many. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing how similar we are. We, uh, 
we are very similar in the fact that we're very familial. You know, my best friend growing up was Guatemalan. Um, having her like say, hey, I'm bringing over tamales for Christmas. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. I'll bring over my platanos and we do that into little little trade. And it's just beautiful because- I eat with platano. Oh, I know, it's, it is so good. So it's just so fun that, that we saw such similarities in our cultures, even though we were different. And I think that's what it means to be a New Yorker. Um, we are a community and we're together, but we are celebrating our differences as well. Um, and for being Dominican, I mean, I think the biggest thing that comes with it is uh, and this, it's like a mixture of nostalgia, pride, and hope. Um, if I could put it into whatever sancocho of words of what I think about being Dominican, because for me, at least, it took me a lot of time to really come to terms with being Dominican because I so identified with bicultural and I also never really fit in, in the sense of I was either not Dominican enough, but I also wasn't American enough. And I would be in the, I'd live like in the in-between a lot. So when I lean more yeah. to the Dominican side, it's really the the nostalgia, the hope. And I say nostalgia because my parents did such a great job. We'd always go to the Dominican Republic every year um, for some holiday. And, you know, I, I was able to meet my great, great, great grandfather and hear those stories, right, of like the, the town that they came from um, while eating like you know, guava jam that was just made by my grandmother. So there's a lot of history and tradition that was ingrained in that. And then there's also a lot of hope because I see, you know, people in the Dominican Republic and I see like the first generation Dominicans that are here who are really building beautiful things like generational wealth in our communities coming back and, you know, buying the block, as you can say. And that gives me so much pride because they're doing the next level of what the American, but I would say the Dominican American dream is. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful answers. I'm okay. Before we go into our next segment, I'm really curious, why did your parents come to the United States? Was it because of that, you know, they wanted to build that generational wealth or do you know why they came to the United States? I would say it was for just a better life. Um, mm -hmm. Things were hard. And when, you know, when my father was in the Dominican Republic, he was a practicing physician. But even though he worked all day, he felt that he wasn't really doing everything that he could be doing or achieving all of the goals that he had set out. And he had sisters that were already here in the United States. And, you know, they paint a pretty picture and they paint hope and they came mm -hmm they came here first before before they brought me and they looked you know they looked around they they learned about it and then they just decided to you know leave everything behind and just just come we we came with nothing <laughs> super risk takers mm -hmm. can you guys imagine i always think about that i'm just like you guys are the, the, the bomb like mm -hmm. we're really into a new place where you don't know the language, you don't know the culture, and just like building a life. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the amount of respect, right? Because mm -hmm. you get so comfortable, and and a lot of people, unfortunately, around the world are either forced to leave or they do choose to leave because of a better lifestyle. But you know, it's it's just the biggest risk, and to make it this far. And I think Sarah touched upon it. Like we, you have to be really resilient. Um, and that's just, I would, I would say every immigrant story for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And I even, 
You know, just to touch on that topic, I asked my parents the other day because we always hear about El Sueño Americano, you know, the American dream. And I asked them separately what it meant for them. And my mom, she was like, well, it didn't really mean anything to me because in Honduras, you know, I had a lot of money. I had a lot of like things, but she was escaping an abusive relationship and, and a relationship that was well connected to really dangerous people in Honduras. And so she's like, that's why that's the American dream, I guess, you know, like creating a better life for myself and for my kids mm -hmm. and my dad. And he was like, it's not even about money or monetary wealth. It's just I don't want to leave my home and feel like what's going to happen. You know, am I in the danger zone? Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, what's going to happen today? How am I going to like put food on the table? Like those kind of things. He's like, I get to feel safe in in where I live. I get to have community. I get to have my kids being raised in a in a good place. And so, you know, everyone has their own definition of what the American dream means. And it's usually, yeah, one, maybe you're forced out of the country seeking refuge, or the second is you just want a better life. And so Absolutely. I think that's just the the beautiful thing about being children of immigrants, about seeing immigrant culture, whether it's Latinos or other immigrants. Mm -hmm. It's like we all very have we all have similar experiences in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump into our cafecito and chisme. <laughs> Wonderful. Because I want to know what y'all are up to now. Um, so I first want to touch on your business because two sisters, y'all are boss babes running a business together. So let's talk about it. And it's called Salud, right? Yeah. Yes. So we... And I know you have another brand coming out too. Hilda kind of spilled the frijoles. There. Yeah, I love that. Spilled the frijoles. Las habituelas in Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, salud is everything. I think salud is like anything I've ever known, right? It's, it's always been a, a, a part of my life. And for a little while growing up, we, we struggled or I struggled with with wanting to keep it in my life, right? Because it was just like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this or I don't know if I want to be involved with that. And around 2010, you know, our father needed help with like after the recession and everything, the business was not doing great. And Hilda had just graduated. I had just finished school too. And it was like, do you guys want to do this? And I was like, I honestly, dad, I, I don't really know, you know? And so he's like, well, why don't you just come? Oh, your dad's business? Yeah. So my uh, our oh, father okay. started okay. the company in the year Hilda was born, 30 years ago. Great year. Oh, Great year, okay. guys. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my 89 babies. Should be a holiday. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I, started going and I fell in love with the people really with the employees with the team with the love that they had for the company and for the customers and how much of an impact we get to make in the customers lives I mm -hmm. I knew about it but I wasn't like really aware of how deep it went or and even like when with our employees lives you know like we we have an opportunity to really create a space for them to grow. And there's something really beautiful in that. And I, I fell in love with it. And I 
I think Hilda was also in a, in a moment where she was kind of like, I don't really know what we're going to do next. Like, is it going to be masters? So I told her, well, why don't you come here? Check this out. And so he, he, um, you know, divided the shares and we acquired the business in 2010 officially, like, well, the end of 2010, like 2011. And, um, Hilda went off to, and moved to California. She did her, her master's. I, I stayed running the company and then she finished that and came back and it's kind of been a whirlwind ever since of up and downs and just creating a a business that is relevant to the culture now while preserving the the history and and the values of of the past um so that that's really what we do it's yeah well what we do what salud is is that we're retail nutritional supplement company and health and wellness company so we make proprietary blends of nutritional supplements, um, kind of using that ancestral knowledge, that cultural knowledge of herbs and, and plant medicine, and serving it to a majority of our Latin Amer- or Latin community. Um, and that's something, as Sarah mentioned, you know, started 30 years ago when my father opened up a natural health food store, and it really has been so ingrained in in our growing up. Like I mentioned, we truly would go there after school, say I would stock shelves, dusting products. I remember like very vividly, uh, you know, working the register. Guys, this was totally normal. Family businesses work this way. And I was like 10 years old and I couldn't even see over the counter and I'm taking money and like <laughs> doing calculations, which is why I can count it now, <laughs> which is great. But, you know, and just the stories, I would agree with what Sarah said. Um, you know, she's CEO, um, COO. And yes, it's beautiful to run a small business and there's so much growth and opportunity, but I clearly remember seeing, you know, clients that would come to us who couldn't move their hands because the arthritis was so bad. And the product that we sell, mm-hmm. we created in the formulation that my dad made, you know, gave them full accessibility to move their hands again, to hug their nephews and children and grandchildren. So when you see that kind of impact, um, it's really, really, uh, it's almost like, how can you not, how can you not want to make it grow to the best of its ability and how can you not want it to grow so we can expand and support as many uh, Latinos who struggle with so many, so many health issues. Mm, That's amazing. And is it in the New York area or do you guys, you know, is it online? Do people all over, you know, like buy your products? Yeah, both. We're online. We have an e-commerce site and we have, um, we have a spot. Our main headquarters is here in New York and expanding to Miami. Oh, congratulations thank you yeah i I bet your dad is so happy right just seeing the growth of it i think so yeah there's i'm sure there are moments though where it it, it, yeah (laughs) he does because it's a business you know and like my sister and i have a different um not a different but a, a view for the future that has to change the way that we do things uh, and how he used to do them, right? Because he he used to do them as a mom and pop shop because that's how it was, you know, created. And it's it, it's sometimes hard to get him to see the the new vision. Sometimes it's hard for Hilda and I to agree on things. So there, it's mm-hmm. it is a challenge, you know, running a business with your father and your sister and but I, I would say that the the real the real wrench is like your father because you want to be respectful 
but then it's also like, but we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the lunch is great. Uh, he would bring I'll, us lunch all the time, which is kind of fun. He'd cook. Yeah. Like, we'd eat home-cooked meals. <laughs> oh, my. I, like, didn't even think about that. But even, I mean, I just think of my parents, right? I'm like, oh, my God. They are very stubborn in their old mm-hmm. ways. And they're, like, not one to change their opinions or not want to change yeah. how they do things because it's worked for so many years. So why would they change it? Like, that's how they feel. Mm-hmm. It could definitely be <laughs> tough, but I mean, I think our father and our mother, you know, they're both really, cause not to knock that my mother was along, was along for the ride the whole time while she was a stay at home mom and taking care of us. But she also was like the first manager of the company. She would help hire people. She was very much still involved and once it came for, you know, Sarah to take over as CEO and then, you know, me coming in, my father is very much, I would like to say he's very much a girl dad, hashtag, because let's talk mm-hmm. about how that is super supportive of us. And to the point that, you know, when we doubt ourselves, he's like, no, trust your intuition. You know, he would be mm-hmm. like, what do you think? And he was very much um, involving us in business decisions like I'll never forget and this is one of those moments that I had a lot of pride we were negotiating a contract with somebody because we're we are we have a tv show segment that he does and a radio show and we're negotiating this contract on how things are going to work and they're trying to raise prices and I was in the room with two other men and you know like not to mm-hmm. not to be stereotypical Girl. but like Latino mm-hmm. men it was very a lot of machismo not by my father's part but just in the room so when I was able to kind of make my case and be firm in what I was saying, and they would just direct the conversation to him and kind of disregard me completely, he literally sat back very quietly. He turned, he's like, look to her, she's the one who signs the checks. And by him doing that, it really like gave me so much power. And I'm like, oh, okay, like I'm serious. This is our business and I have to take it just as serious. And anyone that yeah. works with us needs to do the same. So shout out to him for like, he was always really supportive. Yeah, shout out to your dad. <laughs> yeah. That's. That's amazing. That's a powerful moment for you too. Totally. That's something yeah. that I I will always hold in my mind. And I think also one thing that he ingrained in us is my father is a risk taker <laughs> like no other that I've ever mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. And he just has no no fear. He and he's taught us to, he's like, what is the worst that can happen? Like, you'll just be in the same place that you are, you know, like, just, just go for it, go for whatever it is that you have your, your, you know, thoughts on, like, let's just try it. And if it doesn't work, then now we know that doesn't work, but we can improve on it, we can make it better. So even mm-hmm. when I do come with ideas that may be out of the box, granted, I do need to have like formal presentations. And oh, yeah. our our experience as teenagers <laughs> definitely helped. Um, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> he is very, very professional in that way. So you you must have with you must come with projections and you know, mm-hmm. have everything in order. Realize who's gonna be there? Are there boys? <laughs> yeah, right. No. Um and he um he just gave us that that permission and that space to be able to to take the risk and and to feel comfortable in failure, um, which is something that as business owners it happens all the time. Like so many of our ideas don't don't come to fruition, and you just move on to the next project. And you know, it, it makes it a lot easier to do business when mm-hmm. you're not afraid. I love that. Your dad sounds amazing. No, your whole family sounds amazing. <laughs> Thanks. And how, and what about your other brands that 
Hilda mentioned. So I like, you couldn't hear me, Sarah, but I was like, oh my God, I love her frame in the background. It said like, um, Pero did you pray? Yeah. <laughs> something like that. I was like, oh my God, I love it. Yes. Um, yeah, that's something that Hilda and I say to each other all the time because again, oh, yeah. let's say, you know, things are happening in the business and it's getting overwhelming. Things aren't working out and I'll be like, and this and that. And then she'll be like, Pero did you pray about it yet? Like you did all these things, but did you pray? You know, it's like, I did not, I did not, I did not. And that will fix this because it always does. Like we just last night, we were having that conversation. It's like looking back at all the ups and downs and all those moments where you, you know, you didn't know how you would keep the doors open. And like just recently with this whole COVID situation, and it's like, God has graced, you know, provided his grace over us, over our family, over our business for so many years and his power is ever so evident in everything that we do that you know it's just it's amazing it's it's really amazing which goes to that fear element it really exactly have that conviction in the decision making that we're moving towards yeah but the yeah. brand i don't know if you want us to say more the yeah. brand sorry but i didn't mention it <laughs> it's called less entrepreneurs so we just launched a new kind of media brand about the work that me and my sister are doing. Um, and it is those, you know, not only just the life experiences that we've had as, as entrepreneurs, as young entrepreneurs, as Latina entrepreneurs, you know, a mom entrepreneur, all of these things. Um, you know, I consider myself a social entrepreneur. So seeing how we can be really socially impactful and housing that all under the last entrepreneurs uh, umbrella. So we can really share the resources that um, we have personally figured out how to, wean out and see what is going to be the best thing to serve our community, our community of small business owners and entrepreneurs that are specifically Latina um, and Latino companies, because we were blessed enough to go into certain spaces that we didn't see a lot of people like us, you know, and if we were in those spaces, they didn't want us there. So it was really sharing those resources, like, I know you don't want me here, but I'm gonna go bring this back. We're going to go see, see how my community is going to thrive from it. And then you're going to see that I'm supposed to be in this room, you know? So that's how uh, we want to share mm. in that that new brand that we're launching. Mm, that's so beautiful. And, you know, one thing that comes to mind, just hearing your story about Salud and, and doing this brand, Las Entrepreneurs, one of the things that one of my previous guests mentioned was that entrepreneurship is so ingrained in Latinidad. Mm -hmm. It's so ingrained in our, in our blood because, you know, even going back to the countries that we're from, like seeing our families, they are entrepreneurs in their mm -hmm. own ways, right. Mm -hmm. Working multiple jobs or like figuring out, you know, how to, I don't know, survive, how to do all these things. But even immigrant culture, when they come here, I mean, thinking about your dad working those three jobs, right. Dominoes and, um, his business, he, get al otro? he was it's like a cab driver also and a cab driver. Yeah. I mean, like working three jobs and he's like, well, I'll do whatever to put food on the table to like creating this business. So I feel like just hearing your story and hearing all these different pieces of it. I'm like, it's proof, mm -hmm. right? That yes, entrepreneurship is so ingrained in, in who we are in our culture and our grind. Absolutely. Especially because I would say the fact that we run our business out of Inwood and Dykeman and like we're surrounded by small business owners. We're surrounded by micro entrepreneurs. You know, like I have a very intimate relation with 
relationship with my frutera who comes into the office because she has the tagine <laughs> that I like and I don't see that anywhere else. So she, those different yeah. kinds of things that we see entrepreneurship on every scale there. Um, mm -hmm. And we're just trying to see how we can support that even more so because we know that being an entrepreneur isn't, at least for me in the immigrant cultures, it isn't a solo venture. You're bringing your cousins with you, mm -hmm. your tias, your tios, the whole community, mm -hmm. because it's just like statistically proven that a lot of money gets funneled back into those countries. Like we're solely supporting many yeah. GDPs out there. So having all of that done yeah. and it and just being so ingrained and how can we support that? Like it's so, it gets me so passionate. I'm so excited <laughs> to be working with yeah no it's it i mean you can just hear the passion in both of you when it comes to these two things right so i love it you guys are making me want to go to new york i'm like i want to be around diversity i want to be around small business <laughs> entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah do it come come in the fall new york is awesome that new york will always have my heart i think i love that place and you're not in new york right no i'm in florida actually like south florida oh. When did you move from from New York to Florida? Two years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And how it's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. I mean, I, I love the weather. You cannot complain. Like right now it is 92 degrees, sunny, beautiful mm -hmm. palm trees. It's like always a vacation. And, you know, it's. The, the area that I'm in is also very diverse in in Latino populations, I would say, but it does not yeah. compare to to New York. I mean, in New York, it was it was something else. And there's just like New York has a heartbeat of its own. There, there's just something that there's nothing like it. I only been once to New York oh. <laughs> and it was like one weekend, like a quick weekend trip. And it, there was just no way we could see everything we wanted to see. But I I remember going and falling in love. Yeah. With the diversity. I was like, wow, I like it just feels like home. And I was like, I don't I'm not even from here. I don't like I've never grown up in a big city, but I was just like seeing so many people who looked like me and like people who. I don't know, just people of color, right? Like mm -hmm. minorities, immigrants, and um, different ethnicities. I was like, this feels like amazing. And I didn't really grow up in that type of environment. So I was like, I want to go back. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Have a home here. Yeah. And like the area where we, where we spent most of our time in New York is very diverse and very Dominican, right? Because it's Washington Heights Inwood. And it's very different than, let's say, 42nd Street or Midtown or um, even Harlem for that matter. So that's one of those things that I think that in New York, you could literally be in like a completely almost different country in like 30 blocks. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, it's wonderful that oh, way. I love it. Well, I thank you both for coming on, for telling your story, for talking about the first gen experience and, um, like even just like your entrepreneurship, all these things, all these pieces that I know listeners will be inspired by. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It was fun. Yeah. And, and so I have two last questions for mm -hmm. you guys. First, how can people connect with you? 
Um, they can follow us on our new Instagram, Last Entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give us a like, you guys. Give us a like. <laughs> we, we if if it sounds interesting and like we could be a, of any help, then yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that would be a way to connect with us. Um, you can check out our website for the company and get any you know health tips at salute.bz. And um, you could also follow our personal um, Instagrams with our, just our names, Sarah Perez, Jared, and Hilda. Yeah. I don't know yours. You, look at this. Look at this. It's like somebody's phone number nowadays. Like, very I don't know from the face. I'm telling you. Oh my God. You know what? My mom still knows everyone. She doesn't say phone numbers on her phone. She knows them. She by remembers. Heart. That's amazing. She knows them by that. I was like, Mommy. That's a whole other brain, like, brain yeah. section of your hypothalamus that I'm not using yeah. anymore, and I should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, gonna give you flack for that later, older sibling. Because I should know it. Yes, I should. Especially since you want all this but tracking. That, that just so, means how much I know you, right? That, that's that, true. That it's she like, knows how to contact me in so many other ways. Wait, I think I think I know your handle. Is it Hilda NYC? See, uh-huh. look at this. My branding isn't working. Uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking of NYC, no, it's okay. <laughs> so that's mine. Follow us there. I'm Lost Entrepreneurs, and I think that also the invite, like, don't just follow us, but let us know what you guys. The listeners if you're interested in what we should be talking about especially if you're a small business owner a latino business small business owner or a micro or and micro entrepreneur who like needs help we have a wealth of resources we want to get out there um and we want to help we grew up with a very help and give back mentality and that's just in our ethos mm, and that's what i love about latinos too right we're always like extending a hand Absolutely. Okay, you know, sometimes we're like drained or no tenemos, you know, mucho, but like we're always trying to help and extend a hand. At least that's that's what I'm feeling from you two. And that's what I grew up with personally. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So the last, the last question is my favorite. We're going to do a little brindis. And I've nice. rebranded brindis with cafecito because it's early for me at least. <laughs> I know you're in a different time zone. <laughs> Um, but a little brindis with my cafecito. Um, and I want to close this conversation with a virtual cheers and allow you two to manifest some good for our Latino community. So mm. what do you guys want to manifest and what do you want to cheers to? Mm. Gotta go in for that one. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to manifest strength. So I think that's our new word lately is just fuerte, like just be strong in your convictions, be strong in your ideals and be strong in your heritage. You know, I think that we're in a in a climate nowadays where it, it almost feels like it, it may be easier to hide. It may be easier to um, to sort of withdraw and to be unseen. And I think that right now is a moment to just stand together to be strong and to, to you know to to have to let that strength power you and to just just be be who you are and and, and find the strength in that be be fuerte that that's what a that's what i want to manifest mm. oh that's a good one. good one what came up for me is i'm going to add some alliteration it's like you know strength sonríe and 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 not do sobrevivir, but thrive, right? I think I just really wish and I want to manifest so much joy in our communities. 
we're in a time that we've been we continue to be beaten down or, or underrepresented, underprivileged, underresourced. And somehow, because of the resilience, we always do it with so much joy and so much grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I see that joy manifest itself, you know, when you're dancing at a party and no matter what's happening around you, there's celebration and joy. So continuing that in your stream. Mm, I love that. Salud. Salud. <laughs> Un abrazo y muchísimas gracias for tuning into today's episode con Sarah Perez Jarrett and Hilda Perez. Connect with them on IG at Salud by Dr. Rigo and Atlas Entrepreneurs. And make sure to find them on LinkedIn as well. As a reminder, go check out salud.bz for more info on their holistic, all-natural products and solutions. Their mission is to make natural health accessible to everyone, and they approach it holistically, honorably, and with pride to bring you trusted, effective, and high-quality products. And all I have to say to that is Latinos, Latinas, we're out here making magic, y'all. Remember to tune in next week for more Cafecito en Chisme and more Hello Latino Love. Follow me on Twitter at Jasmine, Instagram at ojasmine4as, and find me on LinkedIn. And check out my website, odalisjasmine.com. Con mucho amor, Domingo Andreña. Stick around to hear from Chris Gates, co-founder of RiveOn. Mi gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis' guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, RiseOn. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, RiseOn is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, RiseOn is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently, to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside, are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise On membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise On membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Riseon.life. Mi gente, let's rise on.